You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Numbers 21, starting in verse number 4. The Bible says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor. This is the children of Israel. By the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged by the way. And I said in the early service, that's a little bit of an understatement. Uh, we could probably put another word, much, much discouraged because of the way, because their reaction is verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. What was that light bread? It was the manna. The children of Israel have gotten to the point where they are now not just taking for granted, but they loathe the miracle that God had done in their life. Providing food in the wilderness, something that tastes like wafers and honey. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. And this was a miracle bread that, they, that would sustain them through the wilderness, but they've gotten to the point where they are hungry and thirsty, and they no longer want the manna that God provides. And so what does God say? He, in verse 6, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned and we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. And pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Lord, I pray that you'd help us with this thought this morning. Look and live. And God, I pray that we leave encouraged. I pray that if there's someone here this morning that isn't for sure that heaven's their home, they've never placed their faith and trust in you to decide, uh, to believe that you died on the cross for them, accept that wonderful gift of salvation. I pray that this morning would be the day they would do that. God, I pray that you would convict our hearts as Christians this morning as we cover the topic of look and live, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated there. If you would, keep your spot in Numbers 21, and we're going to flip over to John chapter 3 as well. And we're going to see a parallel, well, not a parallel passage, but these, these passages are connected. And let's find out how they're connected. Did God just so happened to come up with this solution of making a brazen serpent and then putting on a pole for everyone to see and whoever looked would live. No, God has a, a much bigger plan than that. And could I say this morning that whatever God does is no mistake. And so this morning, as we look at John chapter 3 as well, keeping our place in Numbers 21, I find here the reason why God told Moses to make this brazen serpent and put it on a pole. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 14, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, you can keep your place there as well, and uh, we'll keep both of our places, Numbers 21 and John chapter 3. But isn't it amazing? The comparison here as Moses is instructed by God to make this brazen serpent so that the children of Israel could be spared from death and that all they had to do was look on that brazen serpent and live. And as we look at the New Testament here in John chapter 3, all that we have to do to live is to look to Christ as he is risen on the cross. So this morning I'd like to bring the title of the message and a message entitled Look and Live. Look and Live. There's a, a hymn. That, that title is not original to me, but we have a hymn that's entitled that. The chorus goes, look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded in his word, hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. Verse 1, I have a message from the Lord, hallelujah. The message unto you I give, tis recorded in his word, hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. I will tell you how I came, hallelujah, to Jesus when he made me whole. "'Twas believing in his name, hallelujah, I trusted, and he saved my soul." And so we look here at the song, and we see John 3 and verse 14, 15, 16, that God had a purpose for that brazen serpent in the wilderness. And today, may I bring a message, look and live, that there is a reason why Jesus had to go to the cross, and there was a reason why he had to be lifted up, and that reason was for us that we could look and that we can live. We're going to uh, look at Numbers 21, and we go back to the children of Israel. Can we understand that as they're journeying and as they're going through uh, these, these different phases of their life, as they're going through the wilderness, may I remind you, in this passage, they just, uh, they just went through an incredible victory. The children of Israel were faced with an enemy at the beginning of chapter 21. It says, And when King uh, Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And so the children of Israel in this very moment, they said, Hey, God, if you deliver us and you allow us to get the victory in this battle, we'll go ahead and conquer some more cities while we're at it. We just ask that you'd help us. And so God answers their prayer, and they see victory after victory after victory. And then we're in the part of the journey where uh, the, the children of Israel are traveling by Mount Hor and they're going by the, ra- the way of the Red Sea. Now, I don't know if they could actually see the Red Sea, but maybe it was like you're driving down the interstate and you see the road sign, you know, turn this way to, to head toward this direction. Maybe that was the kind of thing where it's like, hey, we're going by the way of the Red Sea. And maybe they would be reminded, man, do y'all remember that time when we were delivered? By the mighty hand of God, how God split those waters wide open and and we were able to uh, cross on dry ground and the armies of Pharaoh were buried in the sea. Don't you remember that time? Man, amazing. I don't know if they were reminded by that, but I could tell you one thing. They faced some problems. And unfortunately, with the problems that they faced, we could point a a lot of blame to them and say, man, those children of Israel, I tell you what, every time a problem came, they just, they got so discouraged, they got so upset, and instead of praying and ask God for deliverance, man, all they did was complain, and they murmured, and and they talked against God and against God's man. How, How shameful. Well, hold on. If we put ourselves in their shoes, I don't know, I, we, we might have been tempted to do the same thing. We enjoy so many comforts of life today, uh, talking about heating and air conditioning, good night, a padded pew, 
Amazing things that we take for granted. We have food to eat, water to drink. But if we put ourselves in, in their shoes, I don't know about you, but it, I get hungry and hate to admit it, but sometimes I get a little bit hangry. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I need food. We all need food to survive. We all need water to drink. And so it could be at this point, man, they were so discouraged that, that they started to complain against God and his man. The result was fiery serpents. The Bible says the Lord, in verse 6, sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, I don't know the population of Israel at this point in time. Uh, we do know by record that the children of Israel, as they were exiting uh, Egypt, there was 600,000 men, not including children, and so we could just probably get a, 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 our mind wrapped around that number. It was a large number. And so I don't know how many snakes there were, and I don't know exactly how many people died, but if we have Israel, who is maybe a million, two million people at this point in time, with everybody, including women and children, it was probably, when the Bible says much, there's probably a lot of people that were affected by this plague. And I tried to do some research, tried to think, man, what were these fiery serpents? Obviously, it was a snake, probably a venomous snake, because once they were bitten, then they would die. And so I started thinking, maybe, maybe it was the, and they don't have these in Israel, but uh, around that area, they do in the Middle East, they have the king cobra. And I was reading a little bit about that king cobra, how uh, just one bite from that king cobra could kill a human in 15 minutes. Whoa. That same bite could kill an elephant. I mean, they're a little bit bigger than we are. But just one bite from the king cobra. I thought maybe, maybe it was a cobra or, or something like that. But whatever it was, it, it had some pretty potent uh, venom that would kill as a judgment from God. And so even though I couldn't really nail it down specifically, and sometimes I have a hard time imagining things. And, and, uh, and so you know what you do when you have a hard time imagining how something could have been? You ask your five-year-old son, and so I asked Michael, and, and uh, uh, this morning, Grace helped me to kind of give him some instructions. I said, Michael, uh, could you help me with this? And, and Grace uh, asked Michael for me, and, and uh, I, I told Grace to, to tell him, okay, don't make, it, don't make it too scary. Now, it's a poisonous a snake, but don't make the snake too scary. And so Michael drew me a picture this morning, uh, 10 minutes after he woke up from bed, and uh, he was excited to help me out this morning, but he... He drew this of the fiery serpents here. And, and you know what? I, I thought, man, this is pretty good. For a five-year-old and, and uh, really no description besides uh, a poisonous snake, not too bad. And then, and then uh, Grace told me, she said, yeah, Michael put the, the pink tongue on there. And the pink tongue was to make it so it wasn't so scary. Now it's kind of funny. And so anyway... Now the imagination is gone. Now we can picture those fiery serpents in the wilderness, right? And here they are. And these fiery serpents, man, they were attacking the people. They were on the hunt. They were on a mission from the Lord. And they were biting people. And people were dying from these snakes, right? I don't know. Maybe it was this size. Maybe you could hardly see them. They were just little things. And, oh, I got bit. I guess I'm going to die. Good night. That, how tragic that was. But as we look at these, these snakes here and and uh, we see what is happening. Then the children of Israel, they go to God and say, man, Moses, you need to pray to God for us because I'm going to acknowledge right now that we have sinned. Oh, we, we've spoken against God. We've spoken against you. Lord, please, please talk to God about removing these serpents from us. 
So Moses did. God told him to make the brazen serpent, to put it up on a pole, and that whenever anybody looked upon that brazen serpent, they would live. They wouldn't die. They would be guaranteed that wonderful promise of life. So this morning, as we look at the message, look and live, I have an acrostic for us this morning to help us remember the points of the message. I have trouble remembering certain things sometimes, and so if I alliterate it or make it an acrostic, maybe it'll help me to remember. And so here it is this morning. The acrostic is the word lift. As we lift up that brazen serpent, as, we, as Christ was lifted up, I have uh, different points for that acrostic this morning. So number one, if you're taking notes, the letter L. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Verses 8 and 9, let's look there one more time. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That was the only solution. That was the only way. There was no antidote. There was no other remedy. There was, there was no doctor in, in the, the children of Israel's camp that could spare the life of any of these individuals or help them in any way. Once they were bitten, they were bitten and they were going to die. But there was that one solution. Praise God that God had a solution, just like he has a solution for us today. And as that serpent was raised in the wilderness, so was Christ raised up for us as he died on the cross for our sin. And so we can accept Christ as our Savior, and we don't have to die. You see, the Bible says that the serpent bit those people, and as that deadly venom was coursing through their veins, they were certain of death. You were bitten, you were going to die. Did you know that that old serpent, that old serpent was the one that beguiled Eve in, in, in the garden? That old serpent is the one that uh, had, had allowed and, and uh, made way for sin to enter this world. And because Adam sinned, so all have sinned. And so guess what? Today, this morning, we've all been bitten. We've all been bitten by the snake. It's certain that because of that bite and because of the sin that is present in our life, we deserve to die. As a matter of fact, we're headed there now Unless there's a way out, and the Bible says that the way is looking unto that, that Christ who died upon the tree so that we can accept him. And that is the only way of salvation. There's no other way. God says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. People look throughout this world for something to fill the hole inside their heart. They're so alone. They're, they're searching for fulfillment. They're searching to feel some kind of validation or completeness. So they go and, and they try to find fame and they try to find fortune. And maybe they go to drugs and maybe they go to alcohol. Maybe they, they go to some other sin, immorality. But guess what? None of those things can satisfy. None of those things can give you the fulfillment that only Christ can give. Because in our heart, there's a place that only Christ can fill. And when we trust Christ as our Savior, guess what? You're fulfilled. You're complete. But the only way is to look to Jesus Christ. The only way. Israel had to then believe God's word and look toward that object of faith to receive the promise. Man, they acknowledged to Moses and before God, they said, man, we're sinners. Man, we sinned against God. And could you ask God to send away that we wouldn't have to die. God answered. 
But the children of Israel had to make the decision to look and to live. And for us, we have to make that decision as well. We have to take God's word for, for God's word. Do you believe God's word this morning? The Bible says that, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. He took our place. Thankful for that song Brother George sang, that man in the middle. Hey, that, that should have been us on that middle cross, but yet Christ took that spot for us and he made a way for us to live. But it takes believing the message, looking to Christ for salvation. Number two, I see look to Christ, letter L. Letter I, I see number two, individual choice. Individual choice. Would you look again at verses 8 and 9? I, I find here some pronouns and some nouns that help tell us that it's just an individual choice. The Lord said unto Moses in verse 8, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Could I tell you this morning that nobody can make the decision for you? It's an individual choice. You can't ask a family member to, to accept Christ for you. It doesn't work that way. You can't you can't accept Christ for somebody else. The Bible says it's an individual choice. You must look so that you can live. If you still have your place there in John chapter 3, look again with me at verse 15. The Bible says that, I love this word, don't you? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, singular, that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It is an individual choice. And not only is it an individual choice, but I'm so glad that the Bible puts in that word, whosoever. You know what that means? It means that anybody can come. It means that the ground is level at the cross. You don't have to be a certain financial status to accept Christ as your Savior. You don't have to be a certain group of people to be able to have access to salvation, eternal life. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an individual choice, and hey, we all can make that choice. If you haven't made that choice this morning, could I encourage you to make this morning the day that you do it? It's an individual choice. Anyone can accept Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. That means he's patient. Not willing that, I like this word too, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing that any should perish, but that everybody would look and live to Christ. Number three, I said uh, look to Christ is letter L. Number two, individual choice, that's letter I. And then number three, we have F in lift, and that's follow confidently. Follow confidently. That's, that's what our theme is this year, is to follow Christ. But how are we following Christ? 
Well, according to God's words, God's promises, and according to God's track record, he's never failed once. I think we can go ahead and trust him to carry us through life. Here's the question this morning. You've looked to Christ for salvation. You've looked and lived. But here's the question to Christians this morning. The question to Christians is, after you've looked to Christ for, to, for salvation, how are you living? You're supposed to look and live and praise God, I'm saved. Praise God, I'm going to heaven. Praise God, I don't have to fear death. And, and that sting of death has been taken away, but how am I living now? The Bible says in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 5.1, be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. Here it is, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Christ left us the example. He's given us his precious word. I love this old book. And he's given us this word so that it can lead us and it can guide us. God's left us an example and so that we can follow him confidently. We don't have to question his leading in our life. We can follow God confidently as we stay in the word of God and let this light direct our path. We can follow the Lord confidently. Don't go back to what you used to do. Don't go back and say, oh, well, grace will cover it, God's favor, and God's already forgiven it me, so it'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. Don't you want to experience God's blessing? Don't you want to experience God's presence in your life? If you're going to do that, we've got to follow Christ. We've got to follow him confidently, not wavering, but staying faithful and true to his call. The same one who is able to save you is able to keep you and is able to lead you. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The last letter, and we're done. We might get done a little bit early this morning. I heard an amen. Amen. <laughs> Lift, here it is. Look to Christ. I see it's an individual choice. And number three, follow confidently. Number four, letter T, is to testify continually. Testify continually. Keep testifying. What does testify mean? It means to publish. It means to declare freely. And so what is our responsibility as the Christian? Yes, we're supposed to follow Jesus. We're supposed to go where he leads us and that he leads us down paths where we can testify. We can testify of his goodness in, in, in our lives. You know what testifying is? It's telling the testimony of what Jesus did for us. When you got saved, you got a salvation story. When you got saved, you got a testimony. And guess what God wants you to do with that testimony? He wants you to share it. So we can testify and we can tell others about the love of Christ. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus? 
Shouldn't we be the ones to carry Jesus to somebody else? In this way, in this application, shouldn't we be the ones to lift up Christ? Shouldn't we be the ones to lift him up so that everybody can see and so everyone can see the salvation that you have experienced personally? So we must testify continually. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to, to be the Savior of the world. How are they going to know that Jesus is the Savior of the world if we don't testify that? We know we have God's word. But how about the people that don't have God's word? How are we going to tell them about someone they have never read about? They've never heard about. They only know him as a cuss word. Testify continually. Would you be a testimony for Christ today? And I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to anybody. We got to take the opportunities that God gives us to be a light and a witness to this lost and dying world. You know what it's like? Can you picture of Moses? He, he saw, he experienced all the death around him. He saw the fiery serpents. He knew the effect of that serpent. He knew that it was certain death by anybody who got bitten. And then the people come to him and say, Moses, we need your help. We've sinned and we need to make it right. We've got to get this thing taken care of because we're all going to die. So Moses goes to God and God gives him an answer. The answer is to lift up that brazen serpent so that you can look and live. But how sad would it be if Moses said, well, I, 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 know, I, I know the solution. As a matter of fact, God gave me the remedy. I just don't know if I have time to do it. I know it's pretty important, but, man, I've, I've got a pretty important schedule to keep. Moses did, it, and, and according to his character, I don't think he would have ever thought that. Oh, I have it, but I'm not going to share it. But what a convicting thought to me. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. We've looked and lived ourselves personally. But how sad would it be if we have the remedy for salvation? We have the remedy to that poisonous sting of death, and we don't want to share it. Could I encourage you this week? Would you lift up the cross? Would you lift up Christ just as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness? Moses had to first lift up that brazen serpent so that it could be seen. So are we doing our part in lifting up the cross of Christ for others to see? I'll end with this hymn. We have another hymn in our hymn book. And it's entitled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Would you listen to the words of the song? In verse 1, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Just look and live. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Verse number two. Through death into life everlasting he passed, and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. You know what that is? That's following confidently. We are more than conquerors through Christ who saved us. And so we can follow our Savior. We can follow him wherever he leads us. But we must turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look at that last verse there. It, said, it says here in verse number three of turn your eyes upon Jesus. His word, his word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go 
Here it is. There's the commission. Then go to a world that is dying. His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. All we have to do is look and live. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you're not saved this morning, turn your eyes upon Jesus. He'll save you. All you have to do is look. Look to him for salvation. Christian this morning, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Can we go to a world that's dying and tell them of that wonderful Savior? Can we lift him up this week? Lift up the cross so that the world can see that there isn't any more sting in death, but yet we can have victory over death and we can have an eternal home in heaven. Let's share the message this week. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.